not on Friday 5 p.m. Why did you not watch this on Friday 5 p.m.? So welcome to our Film Friday podcast. Um, this is, well, the Film Fellowship. This is the podcast of the Film Fellowship, which is an initiative between the Accountability Lab Zimbabwe and Magamba Network. And what this is, is a learning opportunity for, you know, the next generation of impact filmmakers just to gain opportunities, to develop their skills and filmmaking and storytelling and just broaden the understanding of integrity and accountability when we tell these stories. So each week we have a different guest. And this week we have the prolific Trevor, and I'm so excited to talk to him. Um, he's done so much great stuff. So Trevor, thank you for being here. Uh, I count the privilege to be part of, uh, yeah, the Film Friday podcast. I think it's about time we had a podcast in film, in Zim, that deals with the issues of film, television, and entertainment, you know, in the country. So, yeah, man, uh, it's an honor. Let's do it. Plus, I expected so, expect to do a bit of some laughing as well, seeing I'm told you're quite the internationally acclaimed comedian yourself. So, yeah, you know... We need to talk about that uh, script, eh? Hmm. Sorry, you're breaking up. I didn't. I didn't hear anything you said. Ooh. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna... <laughs> I see you already got us laughing. I see you already got us laughing. You know. Oh. Yeah. So they were right about you. They were right about you and your yeah. your comedic skills. <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah. So you're at home right now, right? In your hometown. Yeah. In Bulawayo. Yes. In Bulaya, I'm oh, in Bulaya right now. How is it? Yeah. Uh, Bulaya, hey, lockdown issues, you know the deal, but Bulaya is Bulaya. Let me put it that way. You know, it's good to be back home, you know, interacting, you know, with the people, with the business, with the game, and other fellow filmmakers here. But that being said, you know, I'm only here for a short while before we out again. But that being said, let's get straight into it. You know, let's get straight into it. True, actually, let's get straight into it. So, what is your first love, film or TV? You know, if you ask me this question like two years ago, I'd have said film. But now that television is sort of taken on a filmic look, filmic vibe. I mean, if you if you notice, a lot of film actors and film directors get involved in a lot of television. And the reason being, I feel like in a film, you can tell your narrative or your story over the course of an hour, 15 minutes, or hour, 45 minutes, or even two hours at the most. And if you're like Peter Jackson and you've got the budget, you know what I mean? Lord of the Rings, three hours or something like that. You know what I mean? But that being said, I feel like the reason why I'm falling in love with television more is because Television, more often than not, a full season is like 13 episodes. And so that gives me more time, more, 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 more resources, more people to work with to tell my story and narrative. And so I don't have to cramp everything in that one hour, 45 minutes or one hour, 15 minutes. Literally, each episode can be an hour long, and that gives me more time and space to tell my narrative and story. That's why I'm more in love with television now. Than, than film, say, two, three years ago. Okay, okay. And mm. I, yeah, I think it's always something evolving, like depending 
also on what you're at, what you're working on and this is me I agree with you that a lot of TV these days is very much similar to film like there's whole shows actually where episodes are an hour and a half it's basically a movie of an episode um so on that what is your favorite them either TV show or film I think my favorite Zim film of all time like has to be I think a lot of other people's favorite and that's Yellow Card. You know what I mean? Props to Leroy, props to Leroy Gopal. He was my senior at film school. So when I when I first arrived and after he was like a third year. And you know how the third years of the seniors always want to act brand new like you know we are the ish, you know what I mean? Top dogs. But you know Leroy was like you know as a fellow Zimbo brother Welcome to after this connect whatever you need I got you you know what I mean so so yeah so but more so like I said back to yellow card I think yellow card was one of the first films that actually put zim on the map now and I'm talking about zim local productions as opposed to we know the other hollywood films that were taking place in zim that were shooting you know like solomon mines and all the stuff but as far as yellow card is concerned and let's not forget jits jit was also a dope uh film as well you know a lot of i know right now i'm exposed to my age and a lot of you may not have watched it but yo we love that movie too but like i said yellow card for me really stands out and let's not forget what what cookup did as well eh? cookup cookup actually you know did made waves for us as zimbos and props to joe jago and thomas brickhill and the rest of the team for for that for that film as well but yeah so i think those three films that i say you know like I I I I I'm in love with for different reasons. All right. Yeah. So you spoke of Joe and I remember last week he also said something similar to what you said that your producers by necessity because yeah. of the way the it sort of set up. So I know you have the you're in the African Producers Collective. So wh- what is that and I'm like that's also come up by necessity as well. Well, like the African Producers Collective is it's not not it's not yet an official collective. Let me put it like that. It's not yet an official organization per se, but it was something that I started um I thought like not a lot of producers, especially uh black producers were doing enough work together and didn't own enough of their content or material simply because more often than not most of them didn't have the finances to finance their own productions in order to own them so part of the inspiration behind that was like look gents at the end of the day we're doing well being commissioned to do these drama series these movies these films for mnet dstv netflix amazon prime and all these other dsps and broadcasting networks but at the end of the day we don't own any of that content that we create and so ultimately we have no control over what they make over our content 5 10 20 years from now so imagine if say trey wants to start his own channel more often than not the biggest cost to setting up your own channel or creating your own platform is creating and sourcing content so my my idea was when i sat down with a couple of my boys you know uh, in sa and across the continent was like okay gents why don't we identify certain projects ideas concepts that you may have and then we find ways of collaborating together pulling resources 
executing the project, then we own the project as filmmakers. Then at the end of the day, what that does is we start creating, how can I put it, a, a database or a, a collective of content that we can put on our own platforms that we own, that we can monetize, and then in turn use those, those, those proceeds to plow back into the industry, you know, and grow the next generation. Pretty much like what you said, and I like the term that you used when you introduced the show, you said impact filmmakers. And I think the most impactful filmmakers are not only the ones who know how to tell their own stories, but are the ones who are in control of how those stories are told and who benefits and profits from those stories. And I think that's a big thing as far as Africa is concerned and Zimbabwe specifically. Do filmmakers actually benefit from telling their own stories? Yes, maybe that once-off payment when they give you that money when you're commissioned, but thereafter, will your kids benefit with that? Will the next generation benefit from that? Apart from having to pay a subscription fee on a platform that you have zero control ownership over. So, so for me, that African Producers Collective was, is, is an informal setup amongst my homies and colleagues that I work with across the continent to say, gents, let's pull our resources. We're getting this money, but we are not investing this money in each other and in the generation of filmmakers coming after us. Let's give them a better fighting chance than what we had. Because now we're the ones that have to go through, run through walls, kick down doors, you know what I mean? To face a lot of no's, a lot of rejection when it comes to our pitches. But my thing is, is this, it doesn't have to be the same for the generation coming after us. If we're successful, successful filmmakers in our own right, then we can then create platforms where the next generation can have a platform that is more, how can I put it, more creative friendly for them. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, and especially as Africans within our culture, that's across the continent, actually, it is our culture to have we are the keepers of our history they're not and our stories they're not written away in some book in some dusty library it's our responsibility to carry those stories and especially so when it comes to accountability it's not just the accountability of who is telling who is telling the story who is responsible for telling the story but does it benefit the community who whose story it is and if we are in control of that and i know we've spoken about this before is you know if you're going to tell a people's story are you telling it the correct way that they want to be represented and what are the benefits to that community? So it's great that we have us telling, for yeah. us by us, as they would say, yeah. for us like by that. us. Like so congrats like, on that. You're taking us back to the FUBU days here, eh? When it, you know. And also, I think, Let's not forget when it comes to Zimbabwe, when it comes to Africa, its greatest or most valuable resource are not the diamond fields of, 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 of South Africa or Sierra Leone or Marange here in Zimbabwe. The greatest value resource that Africa has is its people and its stories and how its people are portrayed. And so for us, as filmmakers, I feel that's also our greatest responsibility. Like what you said, telling our stories our own way. I think there's an African proverb a saying that I've always heard that says, unless the lion learns to tell or write its own story, it will always be told from the perspective of the hunter. Do you know what yeah. I mean? 
So, so, so Africa being the lion, we haven't been telling our stories the way we want the stories told of us. Do you get what I'm saying? Which is why every African movie that blows up in Hollywood pretty much looks the same, sounds the same, simply because it's not, they're not taking into account the diversity that Africa has that we as local and African filmmakers know to be true and exist. But because we are not in control of the narratives, you know what I mean? They're going to tell it the way they think their audience wants to perceive and view us. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And more often than not, that's also down to a lack of resources on our own side to be able to produce, take those ideas from our heads, from paper onto the silver screen. Yeah, 100%. So you and your friends have... One, it's a huge network across, you know, the continent and you guys have yeah. access to resources. You mentioned like DSTV, Netflix and stuff. And I know in this industry, a lot of stuff is just blessings. Like everybody is hustling hard, but sometimes in life, it just comes down to right place, right time. Um, I wouldn't call it luck, but I don't know. If it's your ancestors working for you, Jesus, whoever you think is at the moment, but still luck favors the prepared, right? So what work have you been doing and what work do you recommend people to to get on that radar to be noticed to be a approached or to be and how do you get to be in the right place at the right time what do you have to do to get there i think like you said you know uh, uh as a believer in god you know favor some, uh, plays a big role in that however yeah. god helps those who help themselves meaning you have to then play your position in terms of positioning yourself. And how do you do that? Like, get in touch with people or filmmakers that you know, that you idolize, or that are in places or in rooms that you would like to be in. So, for example, Joan Jago and Thomas Brickhill in Cook-Off. So, what did Joe and Thomas do for them to end up on that Netflix platform. If you want to be on that Netflix platform, then the best person to ask is Joe. Do you get what I mean? What did, what did Trey do to get on to the DSTV platform? Who does he know? So I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, hindrances to the growth of young filmmakers and even the older filmmakers in the game is the lack of collaborative efforts and willingness to share information, to share networks, to share connects. Do you get what I'm saying? Everyone wants to be the gatekeeper and everyone wants to not only be the gatekeeper, but they want to charge you for coming through that gate and as well as get the credit for whatever it is that you do. When you get through that gate, they want to be the ones sick. I'm the one that puts train moving on. So don't see him. When you see him shining like that because of me hooking him up, those types of vibes. And yet, I always say the greatest wealth that a person can have is relationships. And so if you're a young filmmaker, a young content creator, and you want to reach those heights of success or be in those rooms that say the Joan Jagos or the Trading Movies or the Arthur C. Evans or the Andy Cutters or the Boost of Blacks and all these other uh, creatives doing great things in Zim are in, start a relationship with these guys. You know, call them up, take them out for coffee, sit down, pick their brains and hear what it is that they have to say because sometimes they can save you a whole lot of pain. You know what I mean? A whole lot of disappointment, a whole lot of uh, heartbreak, 
by just telling you what you need to do, uh, learning from the lessons that and from our failures as well as our successes as well. So for me, I think number one thing, network. Put yourself in a position where you can learn from some of these people. After you network, then obviously, look, some of these places you've got to understand if it's a product, find out how, because another thing is that also network financing also goes hand in hand. Do you get what I'm saying? If you have a show and you want your show on DSTV, find out, okay, so who do I speak to at DSTV? What are their processes of licensing and commissioning? What are the pros and cons? Do you get what I mean? So, so, so I know a lot of people have been saying, how do I get on the Netflix? Man, ask Joe. Do you get what I'm saying? Or ask Trey. You know what I mean? I'm like, listen, I remember some time ago, you know, when, when, when we got the A7 show on DSTV, right? And people were like, yo, how did you, how did you get that show on? And I was like, okay, gents, this is who I, this is what I did. This is who I spoke to. This is the context. These are the details. This is the approach that you should have. You know what I mean? And, and, and by doing that, because my ideology was this, it doesn't make sense for me to be the only one getting licensed and commissioned in my region. Do you get what I'm saying? So what happens if I fall off? If I fall off, that means the whole game falls off. But if there's other filmmakers who are succeeding collectively, then what it means is we're now able to pull resources together. So say, for example, this is what I said to my homies. I was like, say, for example, we pitch, I pitch a drama series and I get commissioned. And let me just throw out a figure. I'm not saying this is what, this is what they're going to pay me, but I'm just saying this is the rough figure out there. We can have that conversation in private over coffee and I'll tell you what producers is getting out there for their series. But say, for example, for a drama series, you get 3 million rand from DSTV for a series. My idea was, and why I was trying to hook up a lot, put, put on a lot of my fellow colleagues with DSTV and other DSPs was, if I get 3 million rand for a drama series and my series does well, they're also going to want another drama series to play after mine is done. So say they commission Munya for the next, for the second quarter to do another drama series and she gets, because I'll say to Munya, they gave me 3 million rand. So listen, this is how you can do and position yourself for the same amount of money because the network will always negotiate with you differently because they're going to first try you out and say, Obviously, if I'm a network executive, I'm trying to give you the least money that I could possibly give you that you are willing to accept. So I'm going to try you out to see how hungry you are. Now, if Muya is like, yo, I haven't had a project in two years, so anything is good. You know what I mean? They'll pay you that and still expect you to deliver the quality that trade did. Facts. So, but then my idea was, if four or five of us filmmakers get commissioned in any given year, that's like 15 million rand that's circulating in the creative economy of Zim. Now, 15 million rand can go a long way in terms of helping to grow the industry here. And I'm just saying amongst like four filmmakers, think about that. Do you get what I'm saying? So for me, and, 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 and that's, why, uh, that's why I'm so big on collaborative efforts. I'm so big on plugging into people in the networks that I have. Because ultimately, your success, I may not benefit directly from it, but the industry as a whole does. And that, for me, is a plus. It's a win for everybody. Yeah, you know, you know when one of us wins, we all win. So 
I cannot move on without obviously asking about the Arthur C. Evans show. The okay, Arthur yeah. C. Evans show. So what I wanted to know is, so when you guys decided that you're going to do this project, you're going to come together, two producers, one has this amazing talent as a presenter, the other one has this amazing talent as a director and, you know, also producing and writing. What are the three, once you have a concept like that and once you have the two of you, you've got this idea, you've got this baby, what are the three main things that you have to do to get that off the ground and get it running? Okay, I think first and foremost, one, me and Arthur had to have, had to be on the same page, had to have a clear vision and objective of what it is that we want to do in terms of, and then set a timeline of when we want to do what we need to do. And then obviously create, a, put together a team that will create a product that's so dope that they wouldn't, that no one would be able to turn it down. Do you get what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So, 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 so just to take you through, just to get a nutshell of how that came about is, Arthur had just come back from South Africa where he had participated in the SABC3 presenter search where he made, I think, into the last uh, 15, last 10 sort of contestants. And then, unfortunately, at the final hurdle, uh, fell out. That being said, came back to Zim, you know, and his mind still wasn't sure what it is that he was going to do because he had thrown all his baskets in that, sorry, all his eggs, sorry, in that basket. So now it was now like, okay, gosh, it didn't pull off, it didn't come off as much as I did as much as I expected it to. So what do I do? How do we then build the brand? So when we met and we're like, and I was like, yo, dude, I saw you on SABC3 present search. I like your energy. I like your thing. What can you, and I feel like, you know what? You're someone, I, I connect with your energy. I think you're someone that we, I can, we can build something, but I'm not exactly sure what it is that we can do to harness your creative talents as a presenter, as a host. And he's also a motivational speaker as well. So it was at that time when we brainstormed and then we came up with an idea, okay, why don't we create a talk show? And on this talk show, you then get an opportunity to present, to speak your, your quotes, your motivational, you know, uh, uh, words and phrases and stuff like that. And so once we agreed on the talk show, the next plan was, okay, we need to shoot a pilot. Because more often than not, you know, having an idea on paper, pitch on paper is not enough. A lot of these networks get a million ideas on paper. So what makes you all stand out is the, is the first question you need to ask yourself. So more often than not, what a lot of creators need to understand, it's easier to get a project that you have shot a full season for, licensed or commissioned on any platform, because then the network is saying, okay, you've already done most of the legwork. All you now need is a platform to put the show on. Do you get what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So ideally... Ideally, as a filmmaker, this is what I, I, I always push for. As a filmmaker, if you have or can secure the financing of an idea or project that you have, try and shoot the full season. Whether it's 13 episodes, uh, 26 episodes, have that in the cut. Why do I say that? I say that because now when you're shopping that series to any network, you're shopping it as a complete product. And now for them to use it, you can license them for a specific and exclusive period. And when that period elapses, you can take it back. However, the challenge that most filmmakers face is the financing issue. Sorry. You see what I'm saying? So, so maybe, so then what then happens is the next best thing is for you then either to shoot a pilot 
then shop it to the network. And then when the network like, if they do like the pilot, then they can commission you by advancing you money to shoot the rest of the production. So in our case, we shot a pilot, uh, sent it to DSTV. Uh, fortunately for me, because the head of channel at that time for Zambezi Magic was this guy called Zeno. So someone had told him about me in terms of producing and creative work. Like, yo, this guy called Train a little bit. He's dope. He's nice with the content, blah, blah, blah. You need to get in touch with that guy. So fortunately for me, I had a, a direct line with him. So I hit him up and I said, dude, we've got this pilot episode talk show that we just shot. Would like to come down uh, to SA, uh, to the Magic Center DSTV and show you the show. We went down, we set up a meeting, we showed him the pilot. He's like, I like the pilot. This is dope, right? Can you guys do 12 more episodes? Because we just done 13. So we are like, okay, yeah, we can. Fair enough. And at that point, at that time, I won't lie to you, we didn't have the money for the 13 episodes that he was asking for us to do. So we came back to Zim, we sat down, we came up with a plan and said, okay, between the two of us, Arthur, what can we do? How much do we have? Okay, we realized, yo, the budget for this thing will cost us X amount of money and we're way short, way short of that. So what we then did is we started to go out to speaking to various cooperatives, executives, corporate, sorry, businessmen and people we know. A lot of no's, a lot of I'll get back to you, a lot of, uh, yeah, okay, but like how do we know this thing will work out type vibes, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, after like three months of scraping, scratching, doing whatever we could, we raised the financing to shoot the whole season. So after we shot the whole season, we went back to TV and said, guys, here's the 13 episodes. They watched the first episodes and they were blown away. And they were like, guys, you're not leaving this room until you've signed over or given us a license to oh. exclusive license for this. This needs to go up the fourth the next month. And I'm like, okay, cool. But uh, you gotta pay us. And like, well, how much do you guys want? You see what I mean? So, 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 and 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 that's and that's a testament to the production value or quality of the show itself, which is why I always say to my fellow colleagues that in as much as we have to do with what we got, it's always important for you to aim for the highest production quality you can possibly attain. And one way of getting around that is linking up and talking to other creatives you know are competent in those fields that can deliver the quality you know that these networks will accept. Some of these people like, look, yeah, you know, you might look at Trey and say, hey, how do I get Trey to produce and direct my film or my television show? I, I mean, the dude looks like he charges an arm and a leg. Yeah, I won't lie, those rates are pretty, are pretty hectic. But, however, if you've got a dope idea, a dope concept, and I see, yo, this can work, or this can really do well, most of us creators are more than willing to say, okay, you know what, let me invest in your project in terms of my time, my skill, and even my own money, and then let's make this thing work, and then when it finally pays off in the future, then we can start talking about the monies and all that stuff. But, it, that, but the good part is, the product will have been sorted out and will, and will be now on that platform where everyone gets to it. You get what I mean? So for me, I think like what you're saying, first thing, what are those things? Have a clear objective of what it is that you want. Come up with a budget of what it will cost 
for that thing to be done or that show or that project to be done. Once you've come up with a budget, start to network, connect with people. There are, more, there are, a lot, there are people out there who are sitting on money and don't know what, not that they don't know what to do with it, but they want their money to grow and make more money for them. So the quickest way for you to get money for your film is to show how these people will make money out of your money. I know a lot of us creatives like to push the whole passion, like, you know, invest in my dreams because I'm a big dreamer. No, you know what I mean? Most guys, when they're about the money, especially in Zimbabwe, you know, Zim is a nation of hustlers. They're trying to figure out, okay, my brother, if I, uh, if I invest in your dream, what will this dream do for me? Will it improve my bottom line? If so, I'll give you the money, you know. So with that being said, I think, like I said, have a clear objective of what is everyone. Come up with a budget of how much it will cost. Then look for the people who will finance your project. Or look for people who already have had projects financed, like the Joe and Jagos, like the trade movies, and then say, listen, dude, how can you help me get my product on the platforms that yours is on right now? Yeah. So it's essential to have collaborations with people who've done the things, but also people can actually like lead you better to organizations as well. Like you're saying with the African Producer Collective that have broader and more resources to help you do what you're doing. So um, like you've mentioned, you worked with DSTV, DSTV before. Um, I know you've worked with the Multi-Choice Talent Factory, the European Film Festival, and now you're doing amazing work mentoring in the film fellowship. So what yeah. are the best things you think that organizations are doing to grow our skills? And what more do you think that they could be doing as well? Like all the different organizations that are available to us. Um, take for example, with the European Film Festival, we did like a masterclass for production design last year, where we mm -hmm. had the production design and prop master for the film, The Queen of Katwe featuring Lupita, Lupita wow. Lunyonga that did very well. So what we then did is we called for a call out for, for those that would like to do production design and set design in Harare and Bulaya. And we did a masterclass where I hosted the masterclass in Bulaya, then Joe Njago did the one in Harare. Now, from that pool of talent, um, I then, we got an opportunity to see what was there. You know, the guys that had a passion and a heart for this. And then for the guys who participated in those workshops, it was an opportunity not only to network with it, with them amongst themselves, but also with the facilitators such as myself, such as Joe, and such as Isaac, the guy who did the production design. And what then, what then that does is then that opens up doors. So say, for example, I've got a, I'm working on three drama series that, uh, I'll, be, that I'll be doing. I can't say, obviously, for which streaming network, or platform, but the idea here is now all of a sudden, uh, from a production design perspective, one of these series I'm shooting in Harare, in Bari, and I'm saying to myself, there are going to be sets of production sets that need to be built. Now, because I've already participated and facilitated this masterclass in production design, I already have a rough idea of some of the talent that's available for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like you with the with the with the ALZ Accountability Lab, uh, a lot of these film fellows, a lot of these students that are taking part in these projects, should also realize that that's an opportunity for other film fellows such as myself to identify them 
and plug them into certain projects. Say, for example, maybe you are a dope DOP and you want to do cinematography. And I know uh, Trevor Calvary. Trevor Calvary is this guy, one of the top cinematographers in Africa. Does a lot of commercials uh, uh, in Africa. Uh, and you want to learn or perhaps upgrade your skills. And I say, okay, Trevor, anytime you're shooting in and around Zim or in Zambia and whatever, uh, there's Munya I know who would who, who was part of this uh, initiative and would like to upgrade their cinematography skills. Will you willing be willing to take the money as an intern? And voila, because of that relationship that I have with him and that relationship that I've established with you as a as a as as, as part of that accountability uh, lab network, you get put on. Do you get mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I feel like. The work that you guys are doing on the ground is so important for opening doors. I think the more important thing is not, not just teaching them skills and, uh, in terms of filmmaking skills, but more importantly, opening the doors for them to be able to work on professional film and television sets where they can then upgrade the skills and, you know, make more money and tell their stories. So on that, on... Um if we combine making more money, professional sets, and opening doors, because uh, those are, you know, three pretty big things that as creators we need to think about. So there's all these local channels that have been introduced. Yeah. So for young creators, people who are starting out, do you think it is worth it for us to push channels on the local content and on the lo local channels and tell our stories there, or would you recommend just post like pushing your content? online or a mix of both like what is the best way do you think to go i think for the for the most part uh i'm, I'm happy that the government has sort of opened up the airwaves and given more licenses you know i think now that we have six sort of uh ch channels coming excuse me channels coming to zim it's better than having one channel and we know zpc well man they 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 pretty much put the industry in comatose. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so, so for me, having six channels available, I think that's a plus. That's a good thing. I think the question now is, will one a those channels give local creatives enough creative expression to express themselves and tell their stories and narratives with the sort of liberties and freedom as they would in any other country? Do you get what I'm saying? Two. Will those channels be adequately remunerating creative as far as their work and ideas is concerned? That's another thing, because I know a lot of them struggled as far as ZPC is concerned, you know what I mean? And that's, a, I guess, a combination of one, uh, a lot of factors. But for a long time, right, my thing was this. The Zim story hasn't been told enough. Everyone wants to know what's happening in Zim. So I've always said, so as local filmmakers, we had an opportunity to tell our own stories, monetize them, package them, and offload them or license them to platforms outside of Zim that have the money to pay you what you want. Do you get what mm -hmm. I mean? Then that way yeah. you're not reliant on the Zim economy or ZPC to pay you what you want. Do you see what I'm saying? ZPC would never been able to pay us what DSTV gave us for the Arthur C. Evans show. Do you get what I mean? Because, you know what I mean? So so that being said, it only made more financial or economic sense for us to shoot a product here, but incorporate 
local and international celebrities here in Zim so we can then market the product as a continental product, not just a Zim product as well, and thereby push the value of the IP and make more money off it. You know, so but that being said, not just local. Yes, exactly. I think that's the other thing. Like as Zim creatives, our vision should not be let's make films for Zimbabweans. No, trust me, Zimbabweans have seen enough Zimbabwe. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, look, man. Like we, we, like we know, we know what it is to be Zimbabwean. You, know, no one needs to tell you what it is to be Zimbabwean. No one needs to show you the visuals of what it is to be Zimbabwean. However, in America, in Europe, in Asia, they want to know, yo, so what's up with Zim? Like, 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 how are they living there? Like, what's the story? And they are willing to pay top dollar to see and watch such stories. So for me, it has always been, guys, let's shoot drama, series, movies, but that have a high production value that can compete with the next shows from South Africa, from Nigeria, from Europe, from America. Do you get what I mean? If they take my series, say I put my series on Netflix, and my series pops up, pops up right next to, say, what's a hot series right now? Say, right next to Money Heist. I know a lot of people love Money Heist. What would make them not watch Money Heist and watch my series? You see what I'm saying? So, so for me, I feel like as local creatives, one of the important things that we need to step our game up on is the production quality, the production value. Because once your production quality is on point, guys, trust me, there's very few platforms and networks, net, networks that will not watch or take your story. Why is it that we are watching Mexican telenovelas and Korean, and now nowadays apparently Korean love stories are, are, are the thing? Bro, the production quality has just... It's it's like a yes. full movie each episode, and it's it's no yeah. longer like you know, yeah, looking so, like so many people got together yeah. and did this. It's huge production quality. Yeah. So 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 what's stopping? So there's there's not a lot stopping us from achieving the same production quality. And I say this yeah. because there are enough skilled personnel in the game now who can execute that type of quality. Mm -hmm. It's just a question of guys coming together and making those synergies happen. Do you see what yeah. I mean? So, and, yeah, you, sorry. Sorry. Uh, so before we wrap up, because um, we're almost coming to the end, there is a question from one of the film fellows that they wanted to ask you uh, specifically. So let's go into that. Um, I think... Hi, my name is Lance. I'm an accountability lab film fellow. And I'm also into documentary production. My question is, what factors should one consider when they want to move into a more professional and uh, international standard production of documentaries and film? Okay, yeah, so I guess you've like been touching on that quite a bit, but yeah. any practical, like, do we get different equipment? Do we what it is? What it, what what is it? Because like you saying, we have the skill set now. Um, I think look, as far as equipment is concerned, technology has has afforded us, you know, the ability to make productions or films at a fraction of the cost of what it used to say 10, 20 mm -hmm. years ago. You know what I mean? Where you had to shoot 
on a film camera. Now, for you to hire an Arri 35 millimeter film camera would cost you an arm and a leg. But nowadays, you can get a DSLR, you know, a decent high-end DSLR that can shoot you close to that same production quality. But also at the same time, the issue, I think the most important thing is the skill set. For us to raise the level of quality of production values, one, do you have the skill to be able to shoot, or say, for example, a DOP? If you're a DOP director of, of photography, um, do you have the skills to shoot? Do you know what it takes for you to shoot at 4K, the sort of codex? Do you know the, the, the laws or the principles of cinematography, framing the shot, how to tell the narrative or story through your visuals, through your frame, the framing and lighting of your shots. Those are the, some of the important things that you need to take into account. So you just, you need to understand and learn and master your craft, first of all. So as you're learning and mastering your craft, you're going to be stepping and raising your game up as far as that is concerned. So, so after that, I think uh, from learning and mastering your craft, like I said, networking. Because even though you have the skill, the question is, do you have a platform, an opportunity for you to express that skill on? So the next step would be for you to network with other filmmakers, with other colleagues who are doing stuff and finding a position or, or, or finding a gap that you can fit in and then get an opportunity to, sh to showcase what you've got or what you can do. You know, that's, that's, those are some of the factors I think you should take into account and work on. Well, thank you so much. Hey, you are definitely helping with us, um, helping with that, like being a mentor in the film fellowship and also just officially availing yourself um, to people who want to yeah. know more. You know, thank you for, like you're saying, not gatekeeping information. Be the plug. Don't be the gate. Be the plug. And we appreciate yeah, you for that. Plug, we plug, appreciate you plug. for that. Thank you so much for this chat. I loved it. Like you said, we've got to continue this over coffee sometime. Um, what's yeah, the best yeah. way? I know your website has like a Q&A section, but what's the best way for people to, to ask you questions if they want to get in touch with you? Um, look, just get in touch with me through my social media platforms uh, on Instagram, Twitter, TrainMove, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, and obviously Facebook as well, uh, TrainMove. Uh, so, yeah, just DM me. Um, and, yeah, let's link up. Let's talk. Let's see how we can come together, connect and build, you know, and then and, and, mm -hmm. and help each other grow and make money and get the bag out of this. Because in as much passion is there, you know, the passion, the passion must pay you. You get what I mean? At the end of the day, yeah. when you go back home, your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad must be able to see the fruits of your work. Mm -hmm. You get what I mean? To inspire. Because Yo, we tired of this narrative that the arts have no money in there. No, the arts have yeah. money. You get what I mean? You know. So, so let's change that narrative by creating enough success stories in the film, television, and music industry that will inspire the next generation to be bigger and better than what we are. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed our time so much. And thank you thank to everybody who watched, uh, who's going to be watching 5 p.m. next week on the ALZ Film Fellows page. 
And you heard it from Trey. If you want to talk to him later, ask him any questions, you're welcome to do so at Training Bear on his Insta and Twitter and Facebook. And yeah, so see you next time. And Trey, see you for coffee after all of this is over. Thank you so much, eh? All right, man. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated, eh? Cheers, eh? Stay safe.